0: Well, out. That's good. So yes, my my kiddos have uh, have been practicing, and uh, and have some specials for you this morning. And uh, we get to go in age order. So Daniel is going to start us off. Thank you. Good. You gotta jump jump off the stage like that. You ever need the definition of a proud daddy, here's one. <laughs> very good job. Merry Christmas! I think it's a little Christmas present from our family to yours. So, thank you very much for allowing us to, to play that for you guys. And um, we get to hear all the practicing, and we get to prompt a lot of the practicing. And it's, it is just a it's a great gift to get as as they just continue to learn and grow. So so great job, guys. Very good. So, okay, this morning. Um, we're going to. Uh, title of the sermon is "Actions Speak Louder Than Words," and we're going to be looking at Joseph's obedience um, in, in the Christmas story. So, um, but even before, actually, yeah, let's go ahead and read the passage. Let's stand and read the passage, and then we're going to go into a, do a little skit here. So we're going to be in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-five. Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew, nothing, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you, Lord, for being in your house this morning. Being able to tune in and just be here. And be here with uh, fellow believers on, on this Christmas Sunday, the Sunday before we celebrate the birthday of Jesus. Today is a message of obedience. Obedience to your call and to your will in our lives. So as we open up the word today, may we see your love written all over it. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. All right. I'd like to... Ask Tony and Aaron to come up. So, let's see. Oh, here it is. All right. All right. So, who's getting blindfolded? Yep. <laughs> oh. All right. Aaron Aaron gets blindfolded. All right. So, Aaron, you come over here and join me. Tony, you can go stand right over there on that side. Okay. Now, th- these are clean and freshly pressed. Renee, Renee, ironed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them on you. Here. here you go. There you go. oh hopefully it's long enough. Biggest ones we had. I'm gonna tie it a knot. I have to wear it all day. Okay, how many fingers am I holding up? Yes. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay. All right. You stand right in front of that cord here. So come come forward just a little bit more. There we go. Okay. Now, I've got to move a few things. Oh, Chris took that. Yeah. I'm gonna use this down here. We can't make this easy. Okay. So Tony can use any words that he would like, just please keep them nice, Um, to guide his son to the safety of a hug. So Tony, I'll turn it over to you, you can just uh, walk Aaron across the stage here for us. Good. All right. Give him a hand. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, sir. <laughs> they did good. He got them safely across. That was good. Aaron did a pretty good job of bait. Took him a little while to get warmed up there. But it did good. Thank you both again. Thank you both again. So, um, about, we're going to talk about obedience today and following instructions um, a little bit. But uh, Pastor Huff started last week and, and he talked about you know, how we were you know, he only had two points. And as I was reading and, and studying this week, I, I found an outline that I really enjoyed. It fell right into place and guess how many points it had? Three. Perfect. It was perfect. Three points. And uh, it repeated itself three times. So, so the nerdy side of me fell in love with this outline. And so that's what we have today. And so, what we're going to look at um, is a pattern. We're going to find a pattern that, that Joseph exhibited um, in the scriptures here. And I kind of wanted to explain, because this is an interesting um, thing to think about, is that of all the characters that we have in the Christmas story, right? All the characters we have, even in, in Jesus' life, Joseph never said one word in scripture. The father of Jesus, the earthly father of Jesus, never said one word. So I see a couple eyebrows raised. But as we read this, as we think about it, none of Joseph's words are recorded in Scripture. And I think that's important as we go through this because actions do speak louder than words. Okay? So we're going to go back to our main passage that we just read here. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to go over to 20, Matthew 1, chapter 20. And I want to point out this pattern to you and pull it out um, for you. So back in chapter 1, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. All right? So the first thing in this is that God spoke. God spoke. Spoke, right? And then what happened after God spoke? Joseph obeyed. Down in verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke from his sleep, what did he do? He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. God spoke, Joseph obeyed, and then what happened after that? He obeyed, and God's plan was fulfilled. It says that in verse 22. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Right? God spoke, Joseph obeyed, God's plan was fulfilled. It's a beautiful outline for a sermon. Right? But then it repeats itself. So we, we go down, now we have the visit of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Right? The star the wise men come. We have the portion of the Christmas story with, with Herod that tries to trick them. And then we get to the flight to Egypt in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. So go with me now to Matthew chapter 2, verses 13, and follow along. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. All right. So what was the first part of our pattern? God, what? You can say it. God spoke, right? Right here we see it. What did God say? Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there. All right. All right. Did Joseph obey? What did Joseph do? He rose and took the child. He obeyed, then what? God's plan was fulfilled, as it says in verse 15. Then as we continue on in the story, verse 16, unfortunately we have the the, um, killing of all the male children under two. And then in verse 19, we have this third instance of the pattern repeating itself. The return to Nazareth. So in Matthew chapter two, verse nineteen, we pick up reading here. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, "Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead." And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that excuse me, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So I have our third reiteration. God spoke. Do you see it? In verse 20, He says, "Rise, take the child." What did Joseph do? He obeyed. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. So that, number 3 in verse 23, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Right. So God spoke, Joseph obeyed, and God's plan was fulfilled. So now that we've kind of firmly established that pattern, I I really like it because we can very easily apply that to our lives. But if we look at this scripture and we look at it this Christmas season, the first question is, are you listening to the Father's guidance in your life? Are you listening to the Father's guidance in your life? So there's two excuses that we often come to, right? Or that we fight with when we try to hear or listen to God speaking in our lives. And they're very common ones, right? We either are too busy or we're too distracted, right? We either are too busy or too distracted. had this um, quote here, "The, the culture conditions us to be comfortable with noise and crowds. Right? Do you agree with that? Our culture conditions us to be comfortable with noise and crowds. How many people can actually just stop at a stoplight anymore? Not many people can. If you're one of those and I stepped on your toes, I apologize. But if you haven't, pay attention. Next time you're at a stoplight. Someone pulls to the stop, what do they do? I've seen it seven or eight times yesterday. They get to a stop sign, they just can't stop at a stop sign. They've got to adjust the radio, they've got to check their phone, they've got to send a message, they've got to read a message. They just can't stop anymore even, even games that we play when we're doing something they like to distract us right some folks are kind of cheap when they purchase games me right I try to get the cheap version especially when the kids play but what happens during those cheap games you might know advertisements oh my gracious Tony feels the pain of a brother All right you, you, you play the game and then boom here comes an ad boom here comes an ad or better yet the ad just stays on the bottom the whole time, right, to distract you. Even, um, thankfully, Pastor Huff shared another website with me, but I go to BibleGateway.com um, a lot. You might, might use that, right? Um, and then I'll check different uh, verses in different scriptures, different translations. Uh, but even that, right, I, I've got the two screens. Thank goodness, man, two screens is so nice. So I got my little computer here, and this screen, I'll put up Bible Gateway over here. But then even that, I'm working on this screen, What's on the left side and the right side of the screen? Advertisements. Right? Joa called me out the other day. He said, Dad, why are you looking at trolling motors? I was like, I'm not looking at trolling motors. It's just the ad that was up there where I was looking at trolling motors. Right? But right? It's just like, can you get me, it's like, I'm working here. I'm working. I'm working. Right? But distractions are everywhere in our lives. And it is so important. So, you know, Chris, Chris was hinting at it um, this morning. But for this, how, how do we combat this and get rid of this multitasking championship trophy that we think we, we need? We don't need that trophy. But how do we get rid of that? And the answer for that is the lost art of silence and solitude. This quote, more than any generation in history, we must discipline ourselves to enjoy the blessing of silence and solitude. What did we have last week? Ten and a half inches of snow at my house. It was beautiful. Until the trucks come and then all the white snow turns to black snow. But does anybody ever notice how quiet it gets when it snows? Did you just say that? <laughs> right? Okay. I i got yeah, yeah. Can I share this? Yeah, Pastor, please. Do you mind Pastor? No, go ahead. So um Pastor and Sally came to visit me Thursday evening
1: and um it's been a good rock hatch that God speaks to me once I've gone through that rock hatch and this goes with what you're about to say. Mind, go ahead. I'll think and I, can hear. I reached out to Pastor the next morning because we were talking the the sound of the snow hitting the ground affects him differently than, you know, Sally and I said that it affected us. Like the stillness of a winter snowfall, silence, but listen. You can hear the snow hitting the ground. I mean, really listen. I hear it, I hear you, Lord. We must first be silent to hear that snowfall as we must first be silent to hear God's voice because it may be very soft at first, as soft as the new snow falling. But as the storm picks up intensity and the snow falls to the ground, making the sound louder, God's voice will rise above the intensity and noise of the storm so we can hear him. Only we must stop, stand still, and listen, just as we do when we first step outside to hear the snow hit the ground. For if we aren't still, we will miss that beautiful sound. We will miss God speaking to us. He's there. He's always been. It is I who has been absent. This I know about the storm and God's word because I am directly in the storm's path. But above the noise, I hear his voice, God's voice. It's beautiful. May you hear the sound of snow hitting the ground differently from now on. Be silent and listen. God is
0: speaking. Very good. Thank you. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Mary, for sharing that. Isn't it great how God connects these dots? (laughs) It is. Amen. Let's go. I mean, that's, let's go. <laughs> next point. <laughs> ne- ne- next bullet point. Got it. Um, got it. No, thank you. That's beautiful. I mean, that's beautiful. And, and and that's what people miss, right? P- people miss that silence. And and the snow really reminded me about how we, we should be silent. And and of course, the, the engineering side of my brain says, "Well, why is that?" So that's what I Google. Right. And, and, you know, it's essentially, right, that, that snow forms. It's like loose, fibery, you know, it's just, it's just loose and it just absorbs it. And it's just like acoustics in any place. And it's really soft. Now, of course, if we have ice, right, that doesn't absorb anything. And it reflects, and it sounds differently in what you're going through. But the snow was just a silence, a reminder of what, of a, what a blessing it could be. So I'm going to spend a few minutes here on this silence and solitude. Because when we take it, when we take it, there are a lot of blessings that it gives us and reasons why we should. So first I want to look at Mark chapter, I want to go through several of these quickly um, as we go through these. So um, one of the first reasons for silence and solitude is following Jesus' example. In Mark chapter 135, it says, and rising very early in the morning. While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there Jesus prayed. I can tell a difference if I don't pray in the morning. I can tell a difference. There is just a a peace that is not there. It just doesn't come. And you might get to work right at 8 o'clock every day, but if I forget that prayer... It feels like it's 11, and it's just chaos. But there is just a a peace, and and Jesus gives us this example in His life that we should follow. Silence and solitude allows us to minimize our distractions in prayer. I'm going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, 11 and 12. And He said, this is Elijah speaking here. And he said, go out and stand before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire the sound of a low whisper. Elijah heard. God's voice in a low whisper in this passage here. Now God's voice can be with us anywhere, but often He speaks to us in a low whisper. And if we're not listening, we'll miss it, just like we miss the snowflakes falling. Solitude and silence is expressing worship to God. In the book of Zechariah chapter 2, verses 13, it says, Be silent all flesh before the Lord, for He has roused Himself from His holy dwelling. It tells us to be silent. Who would have thought that silence is a form of worship? I'm like, well, now my kids better be quiet. right? Now. Silence. And just be there. And think about God. You worship Him and you're silent. Silence and solitude expresses our faith in God. We see that in Isaiah 30, 15. It says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. We express our faith in God when we trust Him. Silence and solitude, we seek His salvation and lamentations Lamentations 3, verses 25 through 26, it says... The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. We are physically and spiritually restored in Mark 6, 31... It says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught. And then verse 31 says, and He said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And rest a while in silence and solitude. And then finally for silence and solitude, it allows us to regain, regain our spiritual perspective. Let's look in Luke chapter 1 verse 20. Luke chapter 1 verse 20 Zachariah here talking about the birth of John the Baptist. Zachariah had a little bit of doubt, right? Had a little bit of doubt in his uh, life that, that him and his wife could still uh, carry a son. But verse 20, it says, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. God, used silence here to prepare Zachariah's heart and change his spiritual perspective to get it where it needs to be so there's so much importance for silence and solitude so how do you do that if you don't think about it it'll never happen if you never set a goal it'll never happen first of all you gotta think about it and you gotta set those goals you gotta have a special place a lot of you have seen um, War Room right? movies many years ago have a special place have a chair, have a corner, have a couch, have a seat, have a special place where you talk to God. That doesn't limit where God can talk to you. God can talk to you anywhere. But if you have a place that you can focus and be silent and be by yourself so that's it's just you and God. One of the other things that um, I like to do that was one of those things that Renee and I talked about, but... Who hasn't had chance, plans change in 2020? In but it was, you know, many retreats, you know, if, if you're married, change. You know, hey, hey honey, I'm going to go out for four hours, right? And then go out and have some time. And then, you know, it's flip-flop in the afternoon with, with your spouse or a friend or someone. that They can just kind of take over and, and trade off responsibilities, right? So that you can have some time to focus on silence and solitude. So, are you listening to the Father's guidance in your life? Are you listening? And the second question this morning is, and this is a tough one. Am I obeying God? Am I obeying God? I've used this before, but for some reason it sticks in my head. But delayed obedience is still disobedience. And it applies in this situation so much because there's two things here to look at back in our our main scripture of Matthew. In the first story, right, do you really think the people in town believed Mary's story? I mean, really. Do you think they believed it? No. It took a lot for Joseph to stand beside Mary through that. I mean, they would have been what's the word, like, what's the, uh, I can't think of the word, what Was it? Well, it would have ostracized, but even today, what is it? Cancel, not cancel culture, I'm trying to think of the hip words, right? But it's just like they would have been shunned, right? Their story would have went viral, they had been mockery, right? It was just them for that time. It was just them. Now, of course, they were with God and knew the situation they were in. But I guarantee you there were people that didn't believe it. And so it took great faith for Joseph and Mary to stand together. But think about the second time we go through this pattern in Egypt. It says, right, it says the second time through this pattern in chapter 2, verse 14, it says, And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed out of Egypt. I don't know for sure, but the way that I read that is he got up that night and he went. He grabbed Mary, he grabbed Jesus, and they went. Sometimes does God put something on our hearts. Like, well, let's think about that for a few weeks. Let's think about that for a few months. I'm sure God would have worked it out. I know He would have worked it out. But what if Joseph would have said, I don't really want to go today. I don't feel like going today. I don't know what history would have been like. I'm confident God had a plan. But in our lives, it relates so much to us that I can make an excuse. This bed's so comfortable. Oh, they're 15 minutes away. I've only got 10 minutes to get there. right? So are we obeying? Joseph obeyed. Joseph obeyed in both of those situations. Another passage that, that came up that I, that I liked... It says uh, back in Genesis chapter 41, back in Genesis chapter 41. It says, Genesis chapter 41. Of course I forgot this one. Let's see if I can find it here real quick. Oh see it. All right, in Genesis chapter 41, Joseph is in charge of the whole estate, right? He's in charge of the whole estate. And everyone's coming to the Pharaoh, right, and asking what to do. And what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh says, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. And we know that God's favor was upon him. Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, do it. And then in John chapter 2, verse 5, John chapter 2, verse 5, this is the first miracle, the wedding at Canaan, right? And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Yet Mary, his mother, said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And there was a couple other things where in the scriptures where it says that we should do what God tells us. We should do what God tells us. Another little sidebar about Joseph as I was kind of studying him and his story a little bit this week, there's this whole Josephology out there. Didn't know that, right? But there's this whole Josephology out there. But one of the things, you know, like I said, none of Joseph's words are really captured. And one of the things that you think about is where did Joseph go, right? Um, well, we just know that Joseph passed away probably sometime between the temple incident when Jesus was 12 or 13 and sometime in this first miracle, right? So Joseph passed away some time in there, but his legacy lives on by his obedience, which is why we're talking about it today. We're also called to um, make sure that we obey in the good times and the bad times. Right? It's a recurring theme that we've talked often about, but we have to go to him and do what he says. Who better is there to go to and talk to? Of course, the Bible says, go and seek wise counsel in many of the Proverbs. But who else better to go seek wise counsel from than the creator of the universe? I can't think of anyone else that I would rather go to and talk to. Because there will be good times and there will be bad times. I guess a couple months ago now, we 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 had a a laughing moment in, in Bible study on Wednesday nights. Just felt like it was time to laugh, and we pulled up a comedian, Michael Jr., and I had this quote about the good times. It says that God wants you to laugh and have fun, but it's the fun you feel good about the next day, not the kind you can't remember, right? The kind of fun that you can have and have fun with it the next day. Even even Renee and I, we, we said that last night. Serving yesterday was fun. It was fun. It was filling. It was draining by the fact that I had to rouse all four of my kids out very harshly at bed at 9 o'clock this morning. It was draining, but it was fun. Life was fun. And we also have to remember even the good times, the bad, we have the, those bad times as well, but we have to remember, and I can't quote the exact one, and I won't quote it verbatim, but the same God that creates the mountaintops is the same God that creates the valley. And He is with us through both of them. He is with us through both of them. So we must remember to obey in the good times and the bad times. So God spoke, Joseph obeyed, and God's plan was fulfilled for his life. Our first question is, are we listening? The second question is, are we obeying? Because if I'm obeying, then God's plan will be fulfilled for your life. In Psalms chapter 40, verse 8... It says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will. There's a, um, anybody ever had this little, it's, it's kind of more along the kid wise, kid, kid sized things, but anybody ever said, I got a secret, but I can't tell you? Everybody ever had that happen to them? I got a secret. The other way I feel that uh, kind of that same emotion when that happens is what I call the cliffhanger gasp. All right? Think about that. The cliffhanger gasp. Anybody know what that might mean? I left my phone over there, so I wouldn't do it. But when somebody's on their phone, and they go, <gasps> and you're standing right beside of them, you're like, what? Somebody, what, what happened? All right? It's a cliffhanger gasp. It's like, are you going to tell me? Oh well, so and so. Okay, it wasn't that bad, right? Or so and so. You know, it's like it, it can be good or bad. That cliffhanger gasp. But knowing God's will for your life is not a cliffhanger gasp. If you're listening, and you're obeying, it's not a gasp. See the. Well, Aaron and Aaron did a great job walking across the stage for us. But just like many Christians today, we say that, hey, God, I'm going over there, right? I'm going over there. I'm going over there. Bless me. Bless me, right? Oh, God, why did you put that in my life? Why did you put that there? You know I want to go over there. Bless me. Bless me, right? That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Why didn't you bless me? We get mad at Him. Versus we didn't listen and say, God, I'm right here. I'm right here. Where do you want me? That's a hard question to ask. Because it's not about you then. It's about what He wants. It's rolling open the map and not saying, oh yeah. I would like to go serve in Hawaii. Yeah, there's a great mission project in Hawaii. I'd like to go participate in. It's rolling open the map and saying, God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? God carries on His work through each one of us. Every dinner is an example of that. But we look at the life of Christ. There was never a doubt, never a doubt in His mind what His will would be. Matthew 6, 21, it says that He was here to suffer, to be killed and raised on the third day. On Luke 19, 10, it says He came to seek the lost. In John 18, 37, it says He came to tell the truth. In Matthew 22, 21, it goes back to our passage today, two twenty one. It says, "For He came, for He will save His people from their sins. Christ talked with His Father every day, multiple times a day, continuously. And He knew what His purpose was. He knew what His purpose was. I want to throw in a... I always pick on the wise men. Renee was picking me. The other, picking on me. I always pick on the Christmas story of the wise men because the wise men didn't come. So every nativity you see, scene you see with wise men, is not right. It's just not right according to Scripture. Yes, we probably have one here. It's typical. It's fine. It's very pretty. Jesus was a toddler when He came. Right? It took them a long time to get there. But the other thing... That I want to point out, and we shared it Wednesday. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2 verses 14. And I think I'm going slightly off script, so I don't know if Brian has it, but he's pretty fast. Luke chapter 2, verses 14. And I want to point this out because it it follows right along. Everybody knows this phrase. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace, goodwill toward men. And then it stops right there. But Luke chapter 2 verse 14 says what? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. That part is left out. Are we pleasing God? there will never be peace in our life if we're not following God's will for our lives. If we're not listening, if we're not obeying, there will not be peace in our life. This phrase of the Christmas story, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. If we're listening, if we're obeying, God will be pleased. The Spirit, Holy Spirit led Christ through the desert, through the temptations in Matthew 1.4. Paul says that same Spirit is in us. In Romans 8.14, He guides us. Jesus found contentment and delight and even joy in fulfilling God's will for His life. And we find that same joy and contentment when we trust in the Spirit to guide us. I said yesterday, about yesterday, Renee and I are having fun. But there is so much joy in giving. Very end, almost like probably 12, 15, there was a young couple that came and said, hey, did we make it? Did we make it? And Renee could tell the story better than I can. I'm going to steal it. But she said, Renee said, oh yeah, we still got everything. The looks on both of their faces just, ah, we made it. We made it, and then it was even deeper. And she said, "Well, hey, my sister doesn't have this. I don't want. We don't want to take advantage of this. It's, can we get to?" And Renee said, "Sure." And then the tears started to roll. That's joy when we get to be the hands and feet of Christ. It's absolutely joy, and it is the greatest. Present you could ever give. The greatest one. I'll go fight with Jelf and say that Fruit Loops could be the greatest present you could ever give. And if you don't remember, the bag's gone now. I've given all mine away. Given all mine away. But when people need it, why not give it? Why not give it? Last passage I want to look at today is Philippians 2. I'm switching gears, but trust me, there's a reason. Philippians chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. It says this. For I have no one like him. This is Paul talking about Timothy. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. There is no doubt in my mind that we are called to serve those around here. And there is no doubt that Huff and I are aligned, that we are progressing from serving within the comfort of these walls to serving to the comfort of their world. We have to get out there and serve them and meet a need. There's no doubt. When you leave today, there's 400 left. There's little business cards, and it's got the church's name and number on it. And it says, I didn't bring one with me, it essentially says that this small gift is to share God's love with you. No strings attached. Take a handful with you. And whatever gift or present you give in the form of fruit loops or door door holds or whatever you do, be purposeful and let people know that God loves them. And if there's anything else that this church can do for them, to let us know. Because God will provide. Now I share this verse with you for two things. There's a there's a version. First of all, is, is it says that Timothy was genuinely concerned with the welfare of the Philippian church, and I like that because we have to be concerned, genuinely concerned about the needs of others around us. And the second one is a slight play on words. But in the um, there's a uh, Philip's version of the New Testament. It's really popular in England. But he says, he reads this verse as, I have no one else with a genuine interest in your well-being. All the others seem to be wrapped up in their own affairs and do not really care for the business of Jesus Christ. They don't seem, excuse me, all the others seem to be wrapped up in their own affairs. Are you wrapped up in your own affairs? Because Timothy shows us an example here that he is genuinely concerned with others. Joseph reinforces that we should obey every time that God speaks, but we cannot miss God speaking to us. We've got two presents. I wrap passages about like this. It's not really pretty. Kayla can see it. She's laughing at it. I write passages about like this. I don't really do too good wrapping them in boxes. There's a gentleman at church in North Carolina, and Renee, for that matter, wraps them much better than I do. His name was Linton. It looks like a work of art when he wraps a package. So, the main takeaway here is I don't really care how you're wrapped, right? The key is to be wrapped up in others. Don't let the packaging of, well, I can't give enough or I don't like the wrapping, to where it's a problem, right? Don't worry about the wrapping. Now, my wife got me this shirt for Christmas. It says, I really love it when my wife lets me go fishing. Right? You can't see that? It doesn't matter what it's wrapped in. What matters is that it's wrapped. And we're wrapped in service to other people. I grabbed this book off my shelf just to show you that There's a lot of it says caring for people God's way. There's a lot of material out there that helps you to guide you to care for people God's way. This is the book that you should read. If you've got time to read these. And this is based on this You'll be just fine. But let's make sure that we wrap our lives by serving others this Christmas.
1: Let's stand.